If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. Bequests aren't subject to federal tax or capital gains taxes. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the Word of the Lord endures forever. With the passing of Pope Benedict, what is a loss to Roman Catholics is also in some ways a loss to confessional Lutherans. It was of particular interest to the Pope, even before he was Pope, that the Reformation represented a theological rift that he sincerely wanted to see brought back together and healed. Now, it hasn't happened, but some have said that he is the Pope with the most historical understanding of confessional Lutheranism in the Church's history. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Joining us to talk about Lutheran and Roman Catholic dialogues, Matthew Block, he's Communications Manager for the International Lutheran Council, editor of the Canadian Lutheran Magazine, He serves on the Commission on Theology and Church Relations for the Lutheran Church Canada and is author of a column for First Things titled Roman Catholics and Confessional Lutherans Explore Deeper Ties. Matthew, welcome back. Thanks very much, Todd. Let's talk a little bit about Pope Benedict on his passing. What what was Pope Benedict's theological interest in confessional Lutheranism? Well, Pope Benedict was a German theologian, of course, so much of his work took place in that context where Lutheranism was the predominant Protestant tradition. It's not really surprising then that he took an interest in it. In fact, he tells us that he read quite a bit of Luther before he ever went to university. He was also deeply well-read in pretty much all areas of theology. So even if he had been in a context where Lutheranism wasn't present, he probably still would have read Luther and the Confessions deeply and wrestled with the questions they pose. In fact, there's a 2011 address where Benedict notes that in studying Luther, he was always deeply impressed by Luther's preoccupation with the question of how we receive the grace of God. And he expresses gratitude for Luther's Christocentric answer to that question, that Luther points us continually to Christ for assurance. Benedict would himself make that kind of emphasis on Christ, an essential emphasis in his own writing, particularly in his landmark trilogy of books, Jesus of Nazareth. So I think that explains some of Benedict's personal interest in Lutheranism. But why did the Catholic Church in Benedict's day express new interest in relations with confessional Lutherans more generally? I think that has a lot to do with the idea that we have really clearly defined teachings which we consider authoritative, and that we, like the Catholic Church, continue to champion the authority of Scripture, even as some other Protestant traditions have have declined from this fundamental teaching. Our position on the authority of Scripture, our uh, clearly expressed doctrines in the Confessions, make confessional Lutherans an attractive partner for substantial dialogue. In some ways, it's more difficult to have dialogue with churches that don't bind themselves clearly to a confession of faith, because confessions really do provide a helpful touchstone for both sides to clearly understand what the other believes and teaches. So how well do you think Benedict understood the Lutheran confessions? Well, he was certainly very familiar with the texts of the confessions. We know that his students 
report that as early as the 1950s, early in his career as a professor, he was making them study the Augsburg Confession and stressing the importance of it. It actually might surprise some listeners to know that Benedict in 1976, that's just a year before he was made an archbishop and cardinal, that in that year he suggested it might be possible for Roman Catholics to recognize the Augsburg Confession as an authentically Catholic statement of faith. He would go on uh, in the same article where he makes that claim to say that confessional writings of the Lutheran Church must remain the key frame of reference for productive discussions between Lutherans and Catholics, especially the Augsburg Confession. After all, the, the Augustana was written not to distinguish Lutherans from Catholics, really, not at its first place, but to, to assert the Catholicity of the Lutheran movement and to repair, if possible, the divisions that were present at that time. Obviously, a Catholic recognition of the Augsburg Confession was never achieved for a variety of reasons, but the topic was certainly a major aspect of ecumenical discussion in the lead up to the 450th anniversary of the Augustana in 1980. And it's clear from this period, this, this somewhat forgotten episode of ecumenical history, that Benedict had a real interest and knowledge of the Confessions. Where would you say, in general terms, confessional Lutherans and Roman Catholics find common theological ground? Well, in a world that's increasingly hostile to historic Christian faith and practice and morality, we find a number of areas that we have a lot of commonality with Catholics. On moral issues like sexual morality, the issue of abortion, and so forth, we've for a long time recognized that we have a lot in common on those kind of topics. But we have agreement in more substantial areas too. I mean, we're both Trinitarian. We both accept the historic creeds. We both confess Jesus as the savior of the world, the real presence in the supper that baptism saves. I mean, the, the list of our agreements really goes on and on. And I think that's something that the Augsburg Confession itself takes pains to emphasize. What's more, in our day when we're seeing a lot of mainline Protestant churches deny or decline from the authority of Scripture. Catholics and confessional Lutherans still do affirm together that Scripture is the Word of God and that it is authoritative in the life of the Church. So I'd say we have quite a bit in common. What are the primary differences between Catholics and confessional Lutherans? Well, there's, again, we, if we have a lot in common, we, we still have quite a bit that differentiates us, that's for sure. Two of the major issues, which continue to be major issues 500 years on now, is the question of authority in the church and of justification. So on authority, is scripture alone authoritative as Lutherans confess, or does tradition provide an alternate source of authority in the church, the way Catholics say? On justification, we certainly both agree that we're justified by grace alone, but do we mean the same thing by that statement? In our confessions, Lutherans teach that this grace is received through faith alone, but Catholics at the Council of Trent clearly condemned those who believed in justification by faith alone. And yet, even on these core issues, it is fair to say that confessional Lutherans and Catholics today are in some ways closer than in the past. Certainly, the Catholic articulation of authority that we see in Vatican II is not Lutheran, but it's nevertheless more palatable to us, I would say, than, than the articulation of, that we get out of Vatican I. And Vatican II, while it still says tradition is a source of authority in the Catholic Church, nevertheless says that this tradition cannot contradict Scripture. So there has been some, some progress on these kind of topics. As for justification, 
I think we have to be willing to admit that the Joint Declaration on Justification, which was adopted by Catholics in the Lutheran World Federation, it, it does demonstrate some encouraging movement on the Catholic side, even if it doesn't bring about the full agreement some people were hoping or thinking it did. So, for example, on, on the basis of the document, Catholics have walked back from some of Trent's condemnations of those who believe in justification by faith alone, and I think that's progress. As far as faith alone itself goes, I mean, even Pope Benedict himself used the term approvingly, albeit cautiously, in 2008 address. So he was talking about justification and faith, and he said that being just or being justified simply means being with Christ and in Christ. And for this reason, he continued, Luther's phrase, faith alone is true, which was quite a media headline at the time. But Benedict did have a caveat. He said, faith alone is true if it's not opposed to faith in, in charity or love. So th that caveat is doing some heavy lifting, theologically speaking, but we don't really need to get into it here. What I'm trying to say is that even on these big issues that still differentiate us, there has been some progress. Doesn't mean the divisions are resolved, but it does mean we have opportunity today for friendlier conversation than in the past. I think sometimes we Lutherans believe incorrectly that the Roman Catholic Church does not or cannot change. We think that the way they historically understood or formulated something is the way that they will always understand that doctrine, the way that they still understand that doctrine today. And the result is that we can end up debating doctrinal articulations that Catholics themselves have abandoned or at least substantially altered. The fact is Roman Catholics, including Benedict, admit that the church's understanding of certain doctrines develops or has developed over time. Benedict didn't see these as breaking with the past positions of the Catholic Church, but he understood them within what he called a, a hermeneutic of continuity. But whether we see them as doctrinal change or whether we see them as a deepening, as Benedict might prefer, we can't deny that some of these developments have brought Catholics closer to confessional Lutherans today than they were in the past. Again, that doesn't mean there don't remain significant differences. There do. Justification and authority in the church are the obvious important ones, the biggest ones in a lot of ways. But it's important that if we're going to talk to Catholics, that we take pains to really understand what they are saying today and what they intend to be understood as saying, and not only uh, respond to articulations that may have been in vogue 500 years ago. We're talking with Matthew Block, Communications Manager for the International Lutheran Council, about Lutheran and Roman Catholic dialogues. Why then did confessional Lutherans absent themselves from ecumenical discussions between the Vatican and the Lutheran World Federation back in the 1990s? We'll answer that question next. If you appreciate Issues Etc., our 24-7 music and talk stations, and our daily verse-by-verse -verse Bible study, The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, please include a bequest in your will or trust for these worldwide media resources. Bequests aren't subject to federal tax or capital gains taxes. Ensure your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren the opportunity to listen by including a bequest in your will or trust for Issues Etc., Lutheran Public Radio, and the word of the Lord endures forever. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, 
and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. St. Mark Lutheran Church in Waco, Texas, is proud to support Issues Etc. Join us for worship and Bible study. If you're in Waco for business, college, traveling through the city, looking for a great place to retire, or searching for a church to receive Jesus' love and forgiveness, then visit St. Mark, a century-old Christ-centered Lutheran congregation in the heart of Waco, very near the silos. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Visit us at stmarkwaco.com. It's finally Christmas, the family is home, the tree is all dressed with Christmons alone. It's time to reflect on what God has done by giving the gift, Christ Jesus his Son. Born of Mary the Virgin to take all our sin by granting us salvation and a new life in him. With angels, shepherds and kings from afar, we find the Christ child by Bethlehem's star. He brought peace to the earth from the Father above and reconciled us with his heavenly love. A very blessed Christmas from Ad Crusum. Educating a new generation of Lutherans. You're listening to Issues Etc. Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Augustana Lutheran, Moscow, Idaho. Concordia Lutheran, Jackson, Tennessee. Holy Cross Lutheran, Albany, Oregon. Hope Lutheran, Sonora, Texas. Mount Olive Lutheran, Madison, Wisconsin. Our Savior Lutheran, Louisville, Kentucky. Redeemer Lutheran, Nashville, Tennessee, St. John Lutheran, Racine, Wisconsin, St. Paul Lutheran, Munster, Indiana, Trinity Lutheran, Tryon, North Carolina, and Mount Olive Lutheran, Billings, Montana. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal. strengths of the Concordia commentary series is that it takes its time, especially with the very important first four books of the New Testament, the Gospels. That is the case with this second volume of the John commentary from regular guest William Weinrich. You could find out more about this book. It's the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, by the way. The Concordia commentary on John chapter 7, verse 2 through 1250 at our website, issuesetc.org, or just call Concordia Publishing House and order this John Commentary, the second in a three-volume series, 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. We're talking with Matthew Block, Communications Manager for the International Lutheran Council and author of a column for First Things titled Roman Catholics and Confessional Lutherans Explore Deeper Ties about Lutheran and Roman Catholic Dialogues. Matthew I'm curious, why did the confessional Lutherans, given all this talk about the long, ongoing talks between Lutherans and Catholics, why did confessional Lutherans absent themselves from the ecumenical discussions between the Vatican and the Lutheran World Federation in the 1990s? Yeah, well, 
The simple answer here is that most confessional Lutheran church bodies haven't historically been part of the LWF. So, of course, there wasn't a strong impetus to be part of a lot of those discussions. These talks, of course, reached a culmination with the joint declaration on the doctrine of justification, which some confessional Lutherans still have real concerns with. And the fact is, the declaration that came out of those talks, that declaration is sometimes made out to be more than it really is. It does note that Lutherans and Catholics agree on justification by grace alone, but exactly what that means for each side is still a matter of disagreement. And frankly, the declaration basically admits this itself by noting the distinctions between Catholic and Lutheran articulations of the doctrine of justification. In fact, ecumenical scholars today tend to refer to the joint declaration as an expression of what they say is differentiated consensus. That's a fancy way of saying that despite the proclamation of agreement, there are still real differences or distinctions between the two positions. So when that statement came out, a number of confessional Lutherans expressed concern that it represented more Catholic positions than Lutheran positions. And I think there's some real questions there on that. But at the same time, we have to ask to what extent might some of our response, some of that response have been our own suspicion toward a dialogue in which we didn't participate? To what extent do we assume the worst interpretation of our neighbor's words? That might be part of it. But nevertheless, there are real concerns that the document gave too much away on the Lutheran position. Even so, I think it can be a helpful touchstone for future discussions between Catholics and confessional Lutherans, even if we didn't take part in those discussions in the 90s themselves. What other formal discussions have taken place between Lutherans and Catholics? Well, the dialogue between the Catholics and the Lutheran World Federation on the international level grew out of earlier dialogues on the national levels, especially in the United States and in Germany. Listeners may not know this, but the LCMS was early on actually a full partner in the American dialogues. Eventually, it became an observer and had a lot less impact on the conversations as time went on. But that meant that for a long time, Catholics' primary dialogue partners was the LWF and LWF churches. But in more recent years, Catholics have also been engaging in direct talks with confessional Lutherans. This really began in Germany when the Catholics reached out for talks with the Zelk, which is a confessional partner church of the LCMS. In Canada, where I live, Lutheran Church Canada has now likewise been involved in direct talks with the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops since 2013. So these national talks between confessional Lutherans and Catholics eventually led in time to talks on the international level between the Vatican and the International Lutheran Council, or the ILC. So the ILC is, is a global association of confessional Lutheran churches. Among its members, you'd, you'd find the Missouri Synod, Lutheran Church Canada, the Zelk in Germany, and more than 50 other church bodies around the world. And these talks between the ILC and the Vatican began in 2014. How would you say you would describe the focus of these particular discussions? Well, the first round of these discussions between the ILC and the Catholics came to a conclusion in the last few years, and a, a final report on the talks was published in, in late 2021, I think, if memory serves correctly there. So if listeners want to get a, a broader picture of 
what the talks have entailed, I'd encourage them to go online, hunt down that final report. You can find it on the ILC website, or you could uh, just Google the words ILC Catholic and final report, and you'll probably find it. Because the talks represented the first international discussions between Catholics and confessional Lutherans, the report noted the importance of conducting a joint rereading of the Lutheran confessions together, which was something that Benedict himself at one point had stressed as well as important. So that idea of, of keeping the confessions as a touchstone for dialogue has been something that they stress early on in the report, especially. But as far as major topics discussed during the talks, we had, uh, you could really point to two major ones. The report talks about the Mass as Eucharistic sacrificial banquet, what the terminology means in Catholic tradition, and to what extent Lutherans, A, have properly understood what Catholics mean by it, and B, where there is agreement and disagreement on the kind of topic. So that, that was a major topic. Another topic, again, was justification by faith, a recognition that despite the, the joint declaration, this topic is still an issue between confessional Lutheran and Catholics. And additional discussions also took place on the ministry and ordination, and there's suggestion that there might be value in additional talks on this subject. Those are just some of the focuses that have taken part since uh, the talks began. How have the Lutheran Catholic discussions proceeded during Pope Francis's pontificate? Yeah, well, the the idea of these discussions between the ILC and the Vatican were first raised during Benedict's pontificate, but the talks proper have taken place during Pope Francis's pontificate. So, as I say, these, these talks have come to an end, and in, in some ways they were conceived of initially as a sort of experiment, a way to test the waters to see whether a permanent dialogue between confessional Lutherans and Catholics would be beneficial in any way. Now that it's concluded, there seems to be a consensus that, yes, this was productive. We've gotten to understand each other a little bit better. To that end, Cardinal Koch of the Vatican's Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity had suggested that maybe the dialogue could be transitioned to a permanent dialogue working group to carry forward the conversations. And the ILC, for its part, during its 2022 World Conference in Kenya, likewise adopted a resolution encouraging continued dialogue. So it's continued well. As for future topics, I think both Cardinal Koch and the ILC's World Conference have encouraged that the new group, once it's struck, look at the Catholicity of the Augsburg Confession as a primary topic of discussion, especially as we move towards the 500th anniversary. On that note, it's worth saying that Pope Francis has made a couple of public comments himself about encouraging Lutherans and Catholics to discuss the Augustana together as we move toward 2030. So I'd say in some ways it seems, you know, 500 years on, the Augsburg Confession is doing precisely what it was first intended to do, create opportunities for faithful and friendly discussion of the faith. Finally, returning to the subject of the late Pope Benedict, was the fact that he was a theologian good for Lutheran-Catholic dialogue? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Benedict sets an example of what it means to take time to deeply read and understand the viewpoints of others. A real challenge in ecumenical dialogue is the fact that everyone has similar terminology, but we often mean very different things by it. Words have 
theological baggage that accrues over the centuries in each tradition. And if we don't take time to unravel what each other means, then we end up speaking past each other. But Benedict, with his clear, precise approach to theology, gives us a good example of how to do that well, to really understand what the other is saying. And I mean, frankly, he had a lot of positions, his high view of the scriptures, his high view of the centrality of Christ, that Lutherans find a lot of good in. And so it's encouraging to want to have conversations with a tradition that can produce a man like Benedict. Matthew Block is communications manager for the International Lutheran Council. He's editor of the Canadian Lutheran Magazine, serves on the Commission on Theology and Church Relations for the Lutheran Church Canada, and he's author of a column for First Things titled Roman Catholics and Confessional Lutherans Explore Deeper Ties. You can read it and find out more about the Canadian Lutheran Magazine and the International Lutheran Council on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Matthew, thank you. Thanks very much. On the topic of worldwide Lutheranism, February 28th is the nominations deadline for president and vice presidents of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Several issues, etc., regular guests or candidates. Find out more on the nominations process, including a video tutorial at issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Issuesetc.org slash 2023 nominations. Pastor David Peterson joins us after the break for part four of our series on marriage enrichment. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. In a world awash with all sorts of information, opinions, and ideas, there is still a place where God's Word is the central and only focus. Messiah Lutheran Church, 801 North Madison, Lebanon, Illinois. At 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, God's people gather there to listen to Him. There you will find His words of law and gospel, and of course, our Lord's Holy Supper. Bible classes focus on the Bible and the Lutheran confessions. Come, listen, believe, and live, and check out our website at messiahlebanon.org. You're invited to a special life service Sunday afternoon at 3 on January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Pastor Michael Salamink, Executive Director of Lutherans for Life, will be the guest preacher. What does Jesus have to do with life issues? Find out at a life service Sunday afternoon at 3, January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Learn more at sidadvocatesforlife.com. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, is looking for an English teacher with a master's degree for the 2023-24 school year. Edwardsville is 30 minutes from downtown St. Louis. The position would involve teaching upper-level, dual-credit English classes. For more information, send an email to Principal Jay Krause, J-A-Y-K-R-A-U-S-E at M-E-L-H-S dot org. 
jkrause at melhs.org. Thanks to our beloved on-demand listeners, Issues Etc. consistently ranks among the top podcasts in religion and spirituality. You can help us climb the charts by subscribing, rating, and reviewing Issues Etc. Type Issues Etc. in your podcast provider, hit the subscription button, and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for podcast listeners to find Issues Etc. Help us cast Christ's net on the internet. Subscribe, rate, and review Issues Etc. today. Did you know that we send out an email each week that details upcoming show topics? It's available for you to include in your weekly church bulletin. Just click the Issues Etc. journal logo at our homepage, issuesetc.org, and sign up to receive the church bulletin blurb. It's an easy way to invite your fellow parishioners to listen to Issues Etc. Issuesetc.org. Look for the Issues Etc. journal logo and register to receive a weekly bulletin paragraph from Issues Etc. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.